to a new RFM and Talking Travel and Sally Lucas joining me, Jane Klein, and today a little bit of salsa, Sally. Salsa, rumba, you name it. It's just a place that is absolutely alive the whole time, 24-7 with music, and that is Cuba. Cuba. Have some most wonderful music and musicians come out of there, and, and not just musicians, they have the most wonderful ballet companies, dance companies, etc. And you just walk along the streets, and it's just always there's someone busking, there's music coming out of a building, a doorway. It's it, their whole life revolves around music, and it's really quite an interesting place to visit. And it's nearly nine years when I started. To thinking I'd talk about it today, I thought, my God, is it that long since I was there? And I don't think a lot has changed in that time, to be quite honest with you. Um, obviously, a lot of buildings are still in decay as they were then. And it's a shame because they're such beautiful old buildings. And gradually, as more tourists go in, they are getting the dollars to help restore those buildings. So you've got a real mix. The old uh, part of Havana, um, Vieja Havana, which means just old Havana, is just all cobblestone streets, beautiful squares like you would see in a European city, you know, and just beautiful old buildings. Some of them, as I said, in decay, some not. Just most fascinating, fascinating place. And it's, it's right on a sea board and you've got this uh, promenade called the Malacon which is eight kilometres it's like a, a big sweeping curve like Bondi Beach I suppose you know and it, everyone strolls along there and it's it's a you know everyone meets there and it's really quite great the interesting thing is that of course Christopher Columbus discovered uh, Cuba on the 27th of October 1492 and um the colonisation apparently and the conquest caused the extermination of the natural indigenous inhabitants of the island, which um, I wasn't aware of, and due to which then they imported mainly black people from Africa to enslave. And the result mixed, of course, Cuba, uh, Cuba's population and culture because you had other people coming in with the conquest, of course, being Spanish. Um, and then you did have other races. So you've got a real potpourri, a real mix of races. But they all get on so well together. That was the thing I loved. Like you could have someone that was very Hispanic, someone that was quite dark, someone that was fair, someone that. But they all, just this love of music and the love of their country, really, even though I know a lot of people want to escape it, they still also love their country as well, quite passionately. Um, and of course, you go to Santa Clara, which is in, in the sort of more towards the centre of Cuba, and you've got the Che Guevara Museum. Um, you've got Trinidad de Cuba, which is the most beautiful world um, heritage UNESCO little village again, which is fabulous. Um, you can go up to the terraces and venales in the north where these wonderful um, rolling hills and countryside. You can see the tobacco plantations. And, and when you fly in, actually, it's they do all their farming in the round, which is quite clever. So they have like pieces of pie so they can keep rotating their crops. Um, sort of the food is is... How could I explain it? It wasn't as spicy as I thought it would be. I thought it'd be going there and eating quite a lot of um, chilies and chilies things. and things. But no, no, it's a little bit Creole in its way. But they don't really make a lot of use of hot chilies or anything like that. And breakfast is a very simple meal. Like we would just get a plate with sliced up orange on it and a boiled egg. And that would be breakfast. Um, so, yes, they, they have to feed their people, and I guess they don't really – it's important to them to have everyone has a meal. And even though they own, all own, earn rather a very low salary, the main thing is they all have education, and everyone must – go to school, it's compulsory. Um, that happens, they go right through to the, what they call the ninth grade, and illiteracy was eradicated 
and that's amazing when you think even in Australia we've still got problems with illiteracy, um, but they don't have that there. But their national system of education comprehends right from day centres all the way through to universities, uh, yeah, help for working mothers and all that sort of thing as well. So, And it's the largest island, of course, of all the Caribbean islands, if you've got to remember, and it's quite close to, to Florida. Of course, it's not that far as the crow flies. And there's some interesting things there because, of course, we all know Ernest Hemingway loved it. And he's got, you know, he, his two favourite bars were Floridita and the uh, Bogadita. And the Bogadita was, I think, where the mojito started, which is the drink based on rum and mint and sugar and soda. And, and then, limes. Yes, and oh, it's a beautiful drink. Oh, I loved it when I was there. I loved the way they made it fresh in front of you with mint crushed into it. And, oh, and I think, what was the other drink? that comes from there. The Floridita was famous for I've forgotten now, but he used to go to one for one drink and one for the other. I think he had more than one. He was a bit famous, I think, for his drinking capabilities. And also there's another interesting town called Cienfuegos, which means um, City of Fires. And uh, it's, again, on the coast. And there's this old faded yacht club. What a shame. It was once a beautiful building. But inside, there's all these photos of the Rat Pack, Marilyn Monroe. Like, they all came down there before the doors were closed. They all, everyone came down there. And even they went to, you know, the, the bars I've just mentioned as well. And you can stay in these lovely hostels and beautiful old hotels that have been converted from original residents. They might only have nine or ten rooms. And, you know, you, you can stay in these rooms. And, of course, You've got all the old cars, the caddies, the Chevys, all spewing the, the Russian larders, you know, so you've got all these <laughs> leaded petrol everywhere. Um, but, you know, it's just a fascinating place. And as I said, the, the music is just wonderful. Um, so if you ever get the opportunity, we don't, again, with the way the United States still is, hopefully that will change you. You can only get in through either Mexico, through another Caribbean island, like we went via Jamaica to get there, um, through Canada, they have an arrangement, and also, you know, from South America and Santiago or somewhere. But fascinating part of the world. And Oh, we actually, brush with fame, we saw Raul Castro when we went to the Hotel Nacional, which again was, was built as a showpiece back in the days when they had all these you know famous film stars and artists coming down he was there the night we were there seeing a show travel's a wonderful thing to do and cuba is a wonderful place to visit it sounds sally lucas as we talk travel on to and you rfm i thought i'd mention some of the other things you can do with accommodation and food there um they have what they call a, like a private restaurant if you like and they're called paladar p-a-l-a-d-a-r you can google that and you'll I find a list of where there are paladars in Cuba. And we went to one called La Cochina de Lilium, and it was beautiful in, in their own home. And then you're sitting outside in this courtyard area on a lovely balmy night and eating. And that was different. That food was more substantial. But the food in the actual hotels and so on, it, it's fairly, you know, plain, if I could put it that way. But once you get to these other areas, and then in Trinidad to Cuba, when we went there, we went to another little private dining area, and we actually ate whole lobsters caught fresh that day. Again, in somebody's home, just this tiny little couple of tables and chairs for $10, you know. Would you describe that as as home cooking or as special home cooking? Probably special home cooking, I'd call that. Um, It was a beautiful meal, um, and that was some of the better meals that we had, you know, Certainly, but um, look, there's so many different things you can do. They don't have a good public transport system. Uh, that's another thing to remember. They have these funny vehicles. They're like um, big prime movers. So you've got like, you know how you have a truck and you take the prime mover off and you've just got the cabin of the truck. Well, it's like that. And then the bus is hooked onto that and they're pink. <laughs> pink. 
I mean, so I don't know colourful. why pink, but anyway, pink. And they're mainly only available in the cities. So once you're on the highway, once we were travelling and going between these places, people are walking. Now, if they're thumbing a ride, not for the tourist buses, but for any trucks or anyone else, it's law that you have to stop and pick them up because there is not the good transport infrastructure and they actually have police just standing along the road all these different every so many kilometers and you'll be fined if you don't pick pick people up and give them a lift quite interesting isn't very it? very interesting uh, and yeah. law not just custom no mm. and again there would be people selling fruit which they're not supposed to on the side of the road it's supposed to be all going you know into the commune if you like but they'd be selling these hands of bananas and different other fruits that you could stop and buy along the side of the road so it's a, it's a very different way of life and i mean even back then i think they were only earning about 20 us dollars a month and i don't believe that has changed all that much and that doesn't matter what you are you could be a brain surgeon or you could be a bellhop so what they were doing there was becoming a bit of a brain drain, and it, it may still be, but uh, you would find we had the two guides that we had were husband and wife. Now, he was um, university trained, and he taught um, uh, medical in the medical section of the university in English so that they were, were trained in English, and his wife was a pharmacist. Now, they'd both given up their jobs because there was 10 of us, for example, on this day, and we gave them you know, one measly US dollar each a day for because they were really great guides. So there was 10 US dollars each. There's 20 US dollars. That's mm-hmm. half their wage for two of them. So they were giving up their jobs because if they were in the tourist industry, whether it be working in a hotel or whatever, they'd, they'd be getting tips mm. and they could supplement their income and get ahead further in life. So very interesting. So it would be lovely to go back now and just see if I would notice if that had changed all that much. Mm. You know, it would be very interesting. But as I said, the whole place is fantastic and they have these places called Casa Particular. Casa is house, Particular, I guess. Individual. Individual, yes. And this is where you can actually stay in in people's homes and like a bed and breakfast, if you like, and you can do it that way. So you can do it very reasonably. But certainly, unless you're hiring a car... um, and you, you can get more modern cars than the ones you see in old Havana, like from the airport. Um, it's, it wouldn't be difficult to drive around because there's not a lot of traffic. Um, having said that, though, everything's written in Spanish. So you'd have to have your little phrase book with you or something. You'll be, be aware of the towns you're heading and know their names so that you, you'd know where you were going. But certainly you could drive yourself around if that's what you wanted to do. Was there much traffic on the roads? No. Mainly... Um, transporting goods like you know timber or food or you know so it was that sort of traffic it wasn't individual car traffic it was you know the necessities of life if you like were being transferred there is a rail link but it doesn't have a good public passenger transport system again it's mainly used to transfer goods um, so that was that was interesting as well. And getting back to what we're saying about, yes, Hemingway, the other drink was the daiquiri ah, yes. at the Floridita. And if you go into La Bodeguita, it's these are both in the old area of Havana. There's this um, big life-size bronze statue of, or sculpture of Ernest Hemingway there as well. Um, and it's very colourful. The children all wear these really bright school uniforms and you've got little narrow alleyways. And I took some of the most fascinating photos of just someone leaning out a window or, you know... It was just 
just full of colour, and even all all the women loved dressing up with all those Spanishy looking, as we call it. You know, those big florally flouncy skirts and all this sort of things. So, and you can go to um, a sugar mill factory, which was started by the slaves that were brought in from Africa. And of course, you can still go and um, see how they make the cigars, the different types of cigars. Well, Havana cigars, of exactly. And, I mean, you're not supposed to take them out of the country either. Really? No, apparently. But um, I know quite a few people that have, so they must be able to smuggle them in there somewhere. I don't know. At least it's not really drugs, is it? I mean, (laughs) a drug of sorts, I suppose. (laughs) But there's also a beach area, which is about a two-hour drive from Havana, called Varadero. And it's a beach which stretches some 20 kilometres and you can stay in hotels on that beach area as well. The main nationalities I found that were visiting when we were there were, were German and Dutch. Um, you know, not many others from many other parts of the world, but they do travel a lot. The Germans particularly, don't they? Yes, it doesn't do. matter where you go, you'll always find and a group Dutch. of German mm. or Dutch people. Yes, that's true. Yeah, so it was quite interesting. But yes, I think if you haven't been and it's on your list to do, I would still be doing it. You'd, you'd have to hope it didn't change too much. They're all saying eventually it probably will once maybe the Castros go altogether and there's a change of leadership or whatever, you know. They are now issuing visas, though, uh, limited visas for some people to leave the country now, but they have to, it's limited as to how long they can be out of the country for. So things are slowly changing anyway, but um, that's life, I suppose. It is. We're talking travel. Thanks to our sponsor, Travel World on King on 2NURFM. Sally Lucas, when you go travelling, there's so much you need to think about when you get to something like a tropical destination there's certain mm. perhaps hazards that we might not have at home there certainly are and i mean we consider we've got most of them i think in australia <laughs> i think we've got most of the nasties out here but some of the nasties can be worse overseas than they are here and we're talking about that rotten little insect that i don't know what it was put on this earth for which is the mosquito that and flies i don't know why we have either of them but anyway they're spreaders of malaria and dinky fever and they're the bane of adventure travellers or travellers of any type for that reason but because um, drug resistant malaria is spreading and no vaccine yet exists to protect against dengue fever so the only sure way is to avoid it is not to be bitten right but and that's where you've got to look at your insect repellents if you're going to use them. And the main thing is you must use one that's got DEET, and it'll have it written on it, D-E-E-T in, in big block letters, and it's a long name, and I won't try and pronounce it, but just remember DEET or tropical strength. Um, now, RID has it, I think the Bushmans, and probably there's a couple of others that have it as well. But, I mean, it's, it's a common species in Australia, of course, as we all know here, we, we do get, you know, you can get dengue fever here, you don't have to go overseas. But um, DEET works according to the Smithsonian Institute because mosquitoes seem to find the chemical smell unpleasant and actively avoid landing on surfaces where it has been applied. So I guess it's it's still worth it. But, I mean, if you're too hot, you don't like wearing you know, neck-to-knee clothes because that, obviously that's the other thing. But having said that, I very stupidly, with all the rain we've had recently, went to the wetlands. Why did I do that? Well, because it's a lovely place to go. To try out a lens on my camera before we go to Africa later this year. And I thought I was going to get carried away. And they were even biting through my clothes. They were the sharpest mosquitoes. So you can even get bitten through clothes, just to keep that in mind. It, it's, so really, you've really got to cover yourself. You know, if, Go to your doctor as well and find out if you are going to malaria risk area. Take your medication, but also be prepared. Um, a lot of these places now, like where you're doing safaris, will provide mosquito nets over your beds. If you're really worried, you could obviously pack one. They don't take up much space, a mosquito net. Um, consider long sleeves. You know, or Consider the, the 
tropical strength, but that's the main thing. It is a bit of a concern still, so just keep that in mind when you're travelling. Nothing worse than picking up something like malaria or dengue fever. It's just not what you want to do. Certainly. Spoils the good memories. It certainly does, Jane. Um, And I thought, guide to booking the best airline seats. Right. Um, How do we do it? How do you do it? Well, there's a website that it's, uh, uh, I think it's part of TripAdvisor, actually. Mm. Um, It's called seatguru.com. And if you go on there, there's all sorts of, you know, find seat maps, browse airlines, comparison charts between airlines, you know. But, you know, the main thing is look at your options. Look beyond price, I guess, is what I'm saying, too, when you're looking at a flight, because comfort is very important. If you're tall, if you're big, really that width and pitch of seat is is very important to you. Um, If you're a small person that can just curl up in anything, it doesn't really matter. But it does if you're on a long flight. I really do. It can be quite uncomfortable and unpleasant. So sometimes it might be better to buy a little bit more or buy a little bit dearer ticket or look at some of the options you can get with airlines now where you can pay extra, you know, to have an extra legroom seat. And it just might be worth considering. So just keep those in mind. And if you go on to this site, as I said, you can do these um, comparisons and look at amenities. And if, for example, you're a business traveler and you want to make sure you've got a power port, well, you can find that out, you know, for your laptop, all that sort of thing. Um, You can select your seat most airlines now when you book. Sometimes it might only be up to 24 hours earlier, but a lot of them will let you do it immediately. Always just check with the airline or check with your travel agent and they can advise you on that. Um, Confirm your seat assignment even the week you're flying. Just make sure that you've checked in and got that seat that you've been asking for. All those things I think are really important. But if you have a look at that website, you'll get a good guide there as to how to select the best seating for you. So checking your own seat, of course, you need to go in through your own airline and your booking number. Yes, you'd have to have your book. If you've made a booking yourself online, you'd have to, yes, you need your own booking number and then it will give you an option on there to assign your seat um, if you so wish to do that or your travel agent if you've done it through your travel agent will do that for you, of course. Um, Another thing I I thought I'd mention, and I have a friend who travels regularly, and he bought them. He said he got them online quite reasonably, but headphones, noise cancelling headphones. Now I know myself. I know the A380 is supposed to be quieter, but I haven't been on it yet, so I, I can't judge. But aircraft noise really does get to me, that constant drone. I I know it does annoy me. I'm not a good sleeper on planes. I'll admit that. I'll be the first to admit it. Normal little earplugs don't seem to help. But you can get these noise-cancelling headphones, of which Bose is supposed to be the best, but, of course, they're one of the most expensive. But if you go on to the Seat Guru again, you'll find the same information on there. And where you can purchase these headphones, and some of them are quite small now. There's a high-definition one there that's only $80, whereas your Bose are around, like, $299. But I know when they first came out, they were around about $800. So if you're a person that travels regularly, though, and that buzzing noise really annoys you, consider those silly little you know, push-in plugs you get. They don't really stop very much at all. You need a proper headset. So just keep that in mind. It might make the trip a lot more pleasant for you as well. Wonderful tips. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we'll be back on Friday after the 1 o'clock news. That'll be after Easter on 2 and URFM.